the Following Faith Podcast. I'm Dan Jacobson, joined in-house by Kristen Jacobson. Hey. And Daniel Asher. Hey, hey. And still on vacation, gone hey, is <laughs> Scott Irwin, who comes back tomorrow to a totally different world than he left because it's still COVID season, and that means every day things change. But we love Scott. We're sorry you're not here, man. We when hope you When he gets back, there's going to be like no coins left for... Oh. You guys, this is a real thing. Remember when murder hornets were our biggest problem? No, go even further back. Do you remember when the coronavirus was our only problem? No, even further. Keep going. Do you remember Keep going. when North Korea was uh, our oh, only yeah. problem? That crazy dictator. That guy. The rocket all man. We had to worry about. Uh, no, no, no. So there's something worse. Americans are out of money, mm. particularly coins. I want to know who is this actually affecting? Not mine and Christina's relationship because we we are a uh, man, and this is like our our final series of uh, marriage counseling, and we're in like the money thing. Yeah, and uh, she is all coins, all cash, what? no card. Whoa, no card. Dave is... Ramsey disciple. Right? Dave Ramsey uh, has to be so proud. Has to be so proud. Uh, that's that's uh, you know honestly, they say you spend way less money if you feel money. And so Dave mm. would be pumped, but seriously, you can't buy anything these days. These signs are like written in like, like, like ransom note letters next to the cash register. <laughs> we don't have change, exact change only, or card Send only. Send help. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Please, please, someone find the pennies, you guys. Uh, I, I'm guilty. I don't know if you're guilty too, but um, you ever thrown away coins? Just like throwing them in the garbage. Never throwing them away. I just don't. I just don't ever use them. It makes me angry whenever I have a ton of change. Have you done this? Um, purposefully thrown something away? Yeah. No. I, I feel like that's a one uh, percenter problem. Yeah, this there. might be a first world problem. But sometimes <laughs> I have so many pennies, I just chuck them. Isn't it illegal throw to throw away currency? No, it's not illegal. So my dad told me. How do you think? <laughs> that's how... something a dad would say. Absolutely. And yes. why are you not just giving these coins to our children? Because they would feel like they were incredibly wealthy with a handful they of would. pennies. They would. No, it's always like the, the, the penny that's like from 1914 that's got like gum fixed to the back of it. And it's really gross looking. <laughs> But uh, apparently this is a really big deal. Big enough for us to open our entire episode on a <laughs> I'm coin I'm not sure shortage. it was big enough to make this and, uh, worthy. But no. Yeah. Another thing that is a shortage, I don't know if uh, Daniel and I found this out the hard way. Decking materials. Lumber. Lumber. I was going to say love. <laughs> and grace. Lumber. Love and, and grace. And I feel like those just are. Just typical decency. Nope, just wood. Wow. Hey, listeners, thanks for sticking with us. This is the podcast designed to help you take your next step with Jesus and figure out what types of uh, economies to avoid uh, <laughs> right now. But we're in, a, we're in a weird, weird world, you guys. And I know a lot of people have a lot of anxiety about it. Um, that was part of the topic of our sermon on Sunday. Uh, if you were lucky enough to be in the state to be a part of church on Sunday, I'm looking at you, Kristen, uh, who, who was not in the I state. I was not. And uh, hence, still anxious about everything. But um, we uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and it's it's life changing. And you guys, I thought I'd play we to kick off this episode with a really fun game. All right, this is a, I didn't tell anybody about this. We didn't talk about this in our pre production meeting, but I want to play the game um, Fortune Teller. Oh boy! 
I know we got in trouble when Daniel was betting all the times a couple of episodes ago. <laughs> now we're gonna fortune tell. Okay, so the the game is it's 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 a version of fortune teller, and it's, the game is called How Does the Pandemic End? A few theories, mm-hmm. and so here's what I want us to do: is to just give your best prediction at the next six months, or if you think longer, fortune teller. How does this end for us? I feel like this is the worst idea you have ever come <laughs> Absolutely. up with. Absolutely. Absolutely a terrible idea. But Kristen, you can go first. Oh, we're doing this now? Yeah. Oh, my. I want to know, what do you expect in the next uh, phase of this as, as to how we get out of the coronavirus? I literally have no idea whatsoever. Um all that's coming to my mind right now is conspiracy theories that I've seen floated across the internet, and I don't know that I want to perpetuate them. No, those. we don't want to. I'd um, rather you be wildly outlandish than actually a conspiracy We are going to discover that the only cure for coronavirus is can be ingested by creating some form of gelatinous candy. <laughs> <laughs> like a gummy bear? Yes. I'll tell you where that gelatinous candy comes from. <laughs> Albany's, obviously. No, Come wrong, on. wrong. No, there's this uh, there's this coffee, see, that they, uh, it's the most expensive coffee in the world. And it's from- uh, the Bat dung. Bat dung. Nice. So how ironic would it be if the cure came from, I'm, I shouldn't- I'm... It's good. We have to go to like poop humor at some point <laughs> yeah. in the podcast. Yeah, there's it always- It feels like it's a necessity. There are two laws of conversations at play. One is the most- important and you see this online all the time whenever you get more people into a discussion about something political the higher the probability that hitler's name will be invoked so if you get millions of people talking about the same thing that nazi germany is going to come up at some point the second is if you get people talking on a podcast long enough poop jokes come out <laughs> so, as evidenced here what episode just, is this uh, episode 28 we just hit it you guys daniel what do you think about the end of the world i mean the end of coronavirus <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. I mean, uh, I know specifically music. Um, I, I honest to goodness, do not know what the future of music holds after the pandemic is over. Interesting. One of my one of my favorite venues in Chattanooga, uh, Songbirds, um, literally closed down today for the sheer fact that they can't they can't, can't sustain they it. can't go on any further. I've seen. Um, shout out to Brandon Keen. Uh, his cousin is in a band called Pop Evil, and they're a huge band, like ten thousand person a night. Uh, 300 shows a year band. Um, they've been doing it for like 15 years and they all just had to call it quits. Wow. Because they said there's nothing, they can't schedule any tours for yeah. at least another year and a half. Do so, any of them want to lead outdoor services at Bethel? Oh, please. please. <laughs> Shout out to any They'd have to change musicians. the name to, to Pop Good, but I mean. <laughs> or Good versus Evil. We could, we could even. Yeah, we'll accommodate a little bit. Yeah, but I don't know. No, don't that's know. totally fascinating because you're. Yeah, I think you're hitting on one of the economic realities that we we've yet to even. It's see. one of the ones that's most that's most clear. Um, I mean, there's so many socio political scenarios that can play out um, that are that are scary and you know and whatever. Right. Um, but music industry is at least one that I've seen that is like clear cut. Right. There is there there is no going back. Um, something's gonna have to. Um, I don't know. Something's gonna have to change. It really goes beyond even just music to so much of culture and art. Entertainment, yeah. Art, Sports. Like if we, no we're... Star Wars this year? No, yeah. Well, Think about Broadway. Uh, yeah. Like like there were no Tony Awards this year. There was, I mean, this whole in- 
huge economic Half pressure. of our listeners just Googled what is a Tony Award. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe not, but no, but probably. it's true. Like so much of art and culture is dependent on yeah. an audience. And if you can't gather people in the same place, it's hurting. Yeah. And we've definitely felt a lot of that. I think the church is really excelling all of these areas because we figured it out. And um, you know, we, we've just done whatever it takes to be able to uh, to get us to be able to still connect. And um, there's a gang of children walking by our studio <laughs> window. Amazing. And uh, thank the Lord they just left. They're all children alone. who <laughs> they belong to. <laughs> yeah, nope, they're back. And uh, yeah, I think um, that this is an opportunity that the church has to really take the lead. And, and I, okay, so if I could be straightforward with my prediction and my future uh, guess, I actually have a very optimistic view of the church. I think that that realm of culture that is left as a void by all of mm. these musical and video and 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 connections of social gatherings, uh, the church has an opportunity to step into that space. And that's mm. really what I'm excited about here at Bethel and and here at HP is that we we're you know we're doing a podcast. We're trying to like fill connective moments with our people here in. Uh, Porter in Lake County. And I think the church at large has an opportunity to band together and be a cultural Mecca. Mecca is the wrong word because it implies a different type of religion, but a, 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 a cultural connection point, yeah. right? To be able to be the place where truly, if you look at arts throughout history, the church has been at the center of it. Right. It's only been since the advent of more technology, video, radio, where we've abdicated creative to the world. Hmm. And I think coronavirus might be setting us up to take it back i mean I, we're sitting here in a studio no, really in our point. building it's really good yeah. point you know what i mean like who would have thought that we would have you know the the entirety of century worship's creative brain power is sitting in this room <laughs> yeah, right yeah. now uh, sorry uh... dustin if you're listening we mean <laughs> we mean 99.8 percent of century oh, worship's gosh. creative brain power but this is what i mean like to be very clear he's just talking about daniel because we have nothing to do <laughs> yeah, with no that. exactly I thought, was that not understood I just want to make sure was that, that that's clear? absolutely clear no but i think that's crazy that that a, a group of people like us could sit around microphones and broadcast this to our community and then incidentally the world, but also sit with an entire studio in our technological possession. Right. Um, the church is resource equipped and I think commissioned to really lead people to think about Jesus in creative ways. Mm. And so um, I think you're right. I think it's totally going to change, but I think we're the better for it. But yeah, it might be a, it might be a breakthrough because I don't know, the Christian entertainment industry has... I think we can all agree, uh, lacked in a lot of different regards. Um, I don't know. I, mean, I don't want to dog pure flicks, but it's, yeah. you know, there, there's, there's a huge chasm between, yeah. um, I don't know. Have you seen the chosen? Something's going on there. It's I have pretty not good. seen the, the chosen. chosen is legit. I, I didn't Actually watch them all. Legit. Kristen, Kristen, uh, tuned me into those. Um, but by and large, your point. Yeah. Is, but by and large, uh, I think this is a humongous opportunity for the church to, to start putting out more legitimized content that's going to be very competitive. We've okay. already seen that with uh, with worship industry. Yeah, that's a hard thing to say. Worship industry, but uh, with with music coming out of uh, coming out of churches has been, I mean, on par with uh, mainstream pop music right now. Yeah, um, churches like Elevation, Bethel, Hillsong. I mean, are the the numbers speak for itself? Um, which is the first time in I mean ever that that's been that's that's been the case so yeah hopefully that'll bleed into film and tv and other industries like that yeah i think um that this is gonna only come about the end of covid will only come about once we find life on another planet 
Ooh, here we go. Here we go. What is this conversation? I'm just totally joking. I'm totally joking. No, Daniel, I, I I gave my piece thinking that, you know, the church has an opportunity. This is a huge disruption in the way that we've lived. And I actually don't care how it ends. Um, I, I think that we're going to um, have to make changes to the way that we go about um, our ministry and loving one another. And, uh, and I think that there's a lot of opportunities that this forced us to think about. And I'm really excited about that. So um, how that plays out here at church, I don't know. But um, thanks for playing along, you guys, with the game. We've got a, uh, a question from our, uh, from our uh, catechism. You guys are looking at me like I just dodged the question. <laughs> hey, when you're the podcast editing, when you're the podcast host, you get to you get to ask and then not answer whatever questions you want. Uh, we're uh, week three of uh, our new city catechism, and I've already heard a couple of people uh, just in passing talking about how they've enjoyed this segment of our podcast, which is super cool. Um, shout out to you who are thinking deeply about uh, life and faith. Hey Dan, and, uh, if you if you would, would you just mind explaining exactly why we're why it is that we're going through the pod, uh, not podcast the uh, the catechism, just in case somebody's tuning in for the yeah. first yeah, time through if it. Yeah, you, if you missed it, sure. So part of our our um, thinking in calling this the Following Faith podcast is we, we want to help you uh, think about cultural uh, situations right now that we're following, um, and and bring a faith perspective to it. Uh, but we also want to model what it is to follow someone as they follow Christ. And the catechism, it, it's a fancy word for like indoctrination, which is a fancy word for teaching um, truths. The church has has done catechism or teaching for 2,000 years, ever since the first Christians in the first century. And it was a way of instruction, question and answer, to help people think through issues of faith. Mm-hmm. Who is God? Um, what is man? What is the chief end of man? Question one is, what is their only hope in life and death? And that answer is uh, to, to know God, right? To, to follow Christ. Um, and so what we aim to do in this conversation here is just to help people ask questions that maybe they would never have thought of right. in a systematic way that has been tried and true for thousands of years. Part of what I think our day and age is, is discovering right now is that while technology can bring us together, a lot of things that we have to learn are really, really old. And so uh, the catechism helps us cover the bases uh, to help people know their faith a little bit more clearly. Is that, is that a helpful summary, you think? Yeah, I think so. Definitely. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I had a couple of people just ask me the, uh, the question about um, our denomination and why we don't use catechism. Yeah. Um, so I think that helped clarify that. Yeah, we could get in a whole discussion about, you know, which denominations today do, which use confirmation, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, catechism is not necessarily a, um, it's not beholden to a specific tradition. It's just a way of teaching. Um, the New City Catechism is something that came out. It's a little bit more of a Presbyterian thing. Tim Keller helped give a lot of shape to it. Uh, his church was Presbyterian. Um, we are not a nominational. Uh, which means we have to look for the best resources in other places to help our edification or or right. building up of our faith. So this is one that we've used uh, here with our students and is really good for us to think about. And um, here's the question. You guys ready? It yes. sounds like a trick question, but I promise if you're listening at home, you already know the answer to this and we'll give you a second to think about it. Maybe Daniel will put in some Jeopardy music. <laughs> uh, here's a question. Question three. How many persons are there in God? How many persons are there in God? 
Again, we've been asking the question and then asking a very basic non-academic um, question, but more of just a um, insight question. How does that make you feel? What does it make you think? How many persons are there in God? I feel like we, we should jump to the answer because the simple response is three. There are three persons in God. But I, I wonder if the answer adds some complexity to it that might be interesting. Right. Who are those people? Father. Son. Son. Holy Spirit. I yeah. wanted each of us to say one. Father, son. Yeah. <laughs> no, we totally missed it. Let's try it again. No, just kidding. Um, yeah. Three, in, three, three people, three persons in God. What's interesting about that is that you have diversity in unity, mm-hmm. right? So you have three distinct people that form one, the word is Godhead. Godhead being Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, and that Godhead is equal in power and equal in substance and equal in glory, but distinct. In character. Yeah, in character and in personhood. So if you've ever uh, heard someone fumble their way through explaining the Trinity to somebody else, like there's no good picture in the world of what the Trinity looks like. Some people think it's like an egg, which like is the yolk and the shell and the whites and it all together is its thing. But it, that's a that breaks down at some point. We have God the Father, mm-hmm. God the Son, and God the Spirit. And what's really important, you know, I was reading uh, last night uh, through some writings my grandfather wrote, and it was interesting. He was talking about the Trinity. He said it's that the word that is in between them is very important. It's not or, it's and. Mm-hmm. We have to always say God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit because they are co-equals. Um, but they all carry out different functions. Right. And so maybe it'd be helpful for us to give a very brief, uh, you know, high-level theology of what's the role of the father? What's the role of the son? What's the role of the spirit? Do you think we can tackle that off of a cuff? Kristen's looking at me like, I didn't come prepared for this, but you <laughs> totally know. You totally know. This. God, the father, right? He is creator. He is sustainer. He is, he is out of his mind comes everything. He mm-hmm. is the one by whom the word is spoken, right? God, the son is Jesus. Thank you. That's the right answer <laughs> all the time. My goodness. So Jesus is a redeemer and savior. He is the agent by which uh, the word became flesh. Yeah. yeah. And so he is God in human form. And God, the spirit is agent, mm-hmm. right? He is the agent by which in Genesis chapter one, you see all three of uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit present in Genesis chapter one. Um uh, God speaks his word and that word echoes back to John chapter one in the beginning was the word. And that's a reference to Christ. Um, you have God, the father preexistent, and then you have the spirit hovered over the face of the deep, almost like a bird flying over the ocean. And so in the work of creation itself, you see this, this out of the mind of God, the son builds and the spirit empowers, mm-hmm. um, the spirit, uh, is, is the one I want to talk about for a second. Kristen, you had a funny example of like what it's like to to think about the spirit. Well, I just think when when we consider the Trinity, and part of this question, part of the answer to this question is what you hit on that they are equal in authority, they are equal in substance, they are equal in power. Um, and I think a lot of times we 
I, I shouldn't speak for everyone. I feel like I have a tendency to have a hierarchy in my mind about yeah. who God the Father is, and then then there's Jesus the Son, and then there's the Holy Spirit. And I remember very clearly growing up having this image in my head of God the Father driving a car, Jesus is in shotgun, the Holy Spirit's middle of the back seat, feet up on the hump, saying, yeah. where are we going, guys? I'm here for the ride. Yeah. Like this afterthought almost. The tag along. Exactly. And I think... I think if the, the I don't know one of the most important parts of under, a, a robust understanding of the Trinity is that we see each person as equally powerful in in everything in creation in the works of salvation in sustaining us as believers in sanctifying us and glorifying us that every part every person of the Godhead is involved in that mm. and um, I think relegating the Holy Spirit to a tag along afterthought, somebody who's just sort of along for the ride, we miss out on that. Yeah, absolutely. The Holy Spirit has the role of directing our attention to Christ, right? The, the Holy Spirit is the one who points our affections and our attention to the work of Jesus. And the Spirit is here convicting us of sin, comforting us, um, convincing us of truth, particularly, though, of that truth of who Jesus is. Mm. Um, and so I think uh, while, while many Christians today, depending on your denomination, I would be so bold as to say at, at Bethel HP, we probably struggle with recognizing the work of the Spirit right. mm -hmm. in our church um, a little too much. And I, th I think there is a balance because we are told to glorify God. We are told to glorify Christ. Yeah. We're never told to glorify, glorify the spirit. spirit. Yeah. And that's something that I've been wrestling with just in my own internal theology. It's not something that really keeps me up at night or, or even changes my daily life, but just wondering about that role of the spirit. Um, can I make too little or too much of the spirit? Or is there a a, is it a sweet spot, right? Like where, where the spirit is doing his work. He has to say his because he is a person. Uh, Kristen would, would love to take us down another rabbit trail here, which we could totally go down if you Let's want. Let's go. However, <laughs> what in the uh, world? he's a person. And I'm so just theologically, right? Theologically, we give a, uh, a definite article. Yeah. Even though he to... is not gendered, but go ahead. Exactly. So that's the, <laughs> that's the, spirit. that is the correct, uh, you know, response. Um, to be able to say God created man and woman in his image. Uh, but the spirit is, I, I just have been wondering about the place of the spirit in my life. Yeah. And I, th I think that is a, a question that like when we, when we consider the Trinity, that's what that helps us understand is that there is a more, uh, I don't, I don't know. I want to say the word robust again, but I already used it, but a more robust understanding of the work of the spirit in our life when we see him as equally powerful as both the father and the son. Right. And which is a huge distinction. I mean, that's that, that split, you know, the East and the West, like just that clause. Right? So. Yes. And I, yes, this past summer, I mean, this past summer, wow, the summer we are currently in, what day is today? Um, I, we did a study with women's ministry. Um, we did a book group of, uh, a book called Union with Christ. And that phrase that we see over and over again throughout the New Testament, that you are in Christ, you are in Christ, you are in Christ, that that is actually a work of the Spirit, that we are uh, united with Christ as his 
bride, but, but that's only possible because of the work of the spirit and how, as you start to read the new Testament with that understanding, you can't get away from how the spirit works in us and keeps us and all of those things that we see um, kind of inferred, like, you know, that Paul is expecting that we as believers would understand that. And there's, there's, you know, even just in that, in that simple phrase that we are in Christ, we're looking at the God who saved us, the redeemer Christ and the spirit who keeps us within him. Yeah. It's an incredible thing. It's mind blowing. So I, I want to bring up one other aspect of this is that it's, um, it's been said that in some churches like ours, the Trinity looks like God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy scriptures. Hmm. Um, this isn't to denigrate the Bible. Goodness. No, all three of us have theology degrees and are students of the Bible and cherish the written word of God. So, you know, far be it from us to denigrate the scriptures, but is it possible for us? Do you think to, to usurp the hmm. work of the spirit by our understanding of the scriptures? Hmm. And I'm really more self-reflecting, maybe not for our listeners, but for the, the three of us in this room, Ac- you know, people who are interested in the academic side of, of theology, we can hold up. I know I can hold up what God's word says and, and, and negate in some aspect the, the mechanical workings of the spirit. If, the, if I can discern such a thing hmm. by how I understand the scriptures. Theologically, I know the Holy Spirit is the one who illuminates scriptures. That's right. the doctrine of illumination that we hold so dearly. That's John 14, like, like continuously teaches you the, mm-hmm. the, the, the teachings of Christ and mm-hmm. reminds you of those things. Mm-hmm. Look at you go, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And, uh, and so if I understand anything from the scriptures because of the spirit, yeah. right. but I can hold the scriptures. I can tangibly interact with scriptures. I can touch the scriptures and think about the scriptures in a way where it's so much harder to do that with the Holy Spirit because we're we're dealing with intangibles and and um and a less physical well, reality. And I think it's important for us to acknowledge that you are capable of reading God's word and not interacting with the spirit. Totally. Like right. there are the 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 scripture that tells us that the word of God is living and active does not mean that the ink on the page is what is powerful, yeah. but it's the whole the illumination of the Holy Spirit by which those men were prompted to write these things down right. and the Holy Spirit continues to illuminate to us today. Yeah, Augustine, because, sorry. No, you're good. good. I just, I mean, it's, that's, a, that's something we need to keep in mind because you can have your nose in the book and never actually interact with the Spirit who wrote it. Yeah, drop some history on us, man. What about Augustine? No, no, it just refers to that as the the bond of love, like that uh, the, the Holy Spirit is what... Um, illuminates the work of the Father and of the Son, and you can't honestly understand the Father except through the Spirit. You can't understand the Son except through the Spirit. So it 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 takes the work of the Holy Spirit to be able to understand the work of the Father and of the Son, and then of of all three, um, all three in one. That yeah, yeah. So let's um, maybe someone's listening to this, and I can. I can think of a few people who maybe are brand new to Christianity and they love our church and they're trying to grow in their, their study of the Bible. And, but maybe it's just new to them. And and this idea of, of one God, three persons, how can that be? Do you know what I'm saying? Is it, why don't we have three gods? This is this is a, a new only a new person to Christianity that's well, asking yeah. that question. No, but <laughs> for sure a new person's gonna ask that question. And I'm sure many of us who even people who have walked with Christ for 60, 70 years are gonna need to think through that too. Well, it's interesting how we we hear about the Holy Spirit 
and hear about this this trinity which what the word trinity is never referenced in scripture mm-hmm. um and we sometimes i don't know i don't know how but we we gloss over it like it's not the most insanely unique thing that we could that i mean has ever right <laughs> that's ever been well um, there those of us who've grown up in the church right it yeah. just becomes like something we know you're just not you're just numb Spirit, to it Father yeah Son, Holy Spirit. but i think there's it's there's so much about our faith that we look at and we say, yeah, I believe that to be true. And I can't explain the mechanics of, you know, I can't right. explain exactly how Jesus was a hundred percent man and a hundred percent God. I can't explain how God somehow has sovereign will. And yet we have human responsibility. And I think the Trinity is, is a part of that. Um, but I, I also think to study the, the scriptures with an understanding of the culture in which they were written is so important Yeah, because what God was intent in telling his people in the old Testament was that I am one. And that was in a culture that was overrun with pagan people who believed in thousands of gods. And so for them to see that as a crucial part of Mm -hmm. who our God is, that that's, that speaks differently to that culture than it does to us today. And so I think that's why to your point, Daniel, we see, more emphasis throughout all of the scripture of God's oneness right. than his triuneness. And yet, once you understand the doctrine of the Trinity and go back and see evidences from Genesis 1 to John 1 to Revelation that we have a God that is one and somehow awesome. three. Yeah. yeah, and even I think you're making me think about John 17 when Jesus, right yes. before he goes to the cross, right? You know, John has his story of Jesus, and he goes the first nine, ten chapters of uh, the book talking about all these incidents, and then he slows down to the second half Mm -hmm. of the book. It's just the last couple of days of Jesus's life, and there's this whole chapter devoted to the prayer of Jesus, and it is, may they be one as we are one, Mm -hmm. right? Right? As as even though there's this conversation between God the Father and God the Son, and then even the spiritual implications of that are fascinating. Right. Um, it shows us that we do have one God, one essence mm-hmm. revealed in three persons. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, like you said, Daniel, such a distinctive of Christianity that maybe uh, confounds explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to recommend a book. I know, Kristen, last week you recommended a great book uh, from Jen Wilkin. I'm going to recommend a book this week uh, from a guy named Michael Reeves. He's a British uh, pastor. He wrote an amazing short book called Delighting in the Trinity. Uh, it's a fascinating read. Um, it's just three chapters long. Can we put that in the show notes? Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Do we have show notes? Yeah, we oh, could have show notes um, <laughs> if we ever took time to put them in there. But it's uh, Delighting in the Trinity. It just shows you that um, that that God has to be uh, a trinity, mm-hmm. that the Father has to have a son, and the Son and the Spirit uh, have to exist in the context of each other. I think he actually pulls Augustine's quote. What I love about the book is he actually shows you through uh, history and very accessible. Like he boils down church fathers and church history into like two paragraph chunks so that you understand what happened and why. Um, and so if you're sitting around and you know you, you've got a weekend free, you could go through this book in a day. And it will not make you an expert on the Trinity, but you'll understand it way more. Um, but guys, that's question three of the catechism. Um, again, way deeper than uh, maybe you thought you're getting into. It's good. But it, it is good. It's good to hear from uh, each other on how um, 
how the gospel and, and, and our Lord uh, changes us and impacts us in a daily basis. Father and Son and Holy Spirit. That was our chance to do it. And you missed it. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the edge of my seat. You were. You were. Oh. You guys, what do we got coming up this week? Do we have an interview today? No interview, huh? Uh, no, here's the interview that I want to do. And I just want to, just want to put him on the spot. Uh, Everybody the tweet next, at him. The next time we have a chance to talk to Daniel, he will be staring marriage <gasps> square Mary. in the face. Whoa, 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 Let's whoa, make whoa, him whoa. squirm right now, Kristen. How, what what do you mean? I don't know. Marriage is the best thing ever. <laughs> it is the best thing ever. <laughs> They're both giving me the craziest eyes. The crazy right? eyes. The crazy eyes. No, yes. man, we are we're so excited. We're yes. so excited. Things are uh, slowly but surely starting to come together. Um, man, we had one of the nicest guys from uh, Candleline Orchard who uh, took out like six stumps for us. Oh, cool. Didn't charge anything. Yeah. Um, God's just been opening up so many different doors. Um, and... We couldn't be we couldn't be more excited, um, but it has been weird. We've been Christine and I have both been uh, under just a lot of attack, hmm. just huh. spiritually. Um, I feel it heavy. I've been I mean having trouble sleeping every night, um, and I think it's uh, I think we're both just realizing the 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 seriousness of the union mm-hmm. um, that we're about to take part in, um, which is exciting and scary and serious. Um, but I mean it's it's the image of the church it's the it's this 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 unity um so we're both i think it's it's just weighing down on us like the severity of it hmm. um but it's been it's been really exciting we're we're excited yeah no we're excited for you man uh you guys are such an amazing couple uh if anybody wants to give them a wedding gift i'm gonna just open up the church as like the dropbox <laughs> for you're not asking me to say this Everybody daniel but hey hp you want to bless uh, a young couple getting married during a pandemic it's daniel and christina uh, drop off whatever you want to give them. I'm thinking like fine china and How about silverware. Like Menards gift cards. There you oh, go. Oh, they man. got some work to they do on that house. They got some work to do on that house for sure. Well, bro, we uh, are excited and looking forward to uh, the next couple of weeks. We're gonna have to do this podcast without you for a while. You're gonna <gasps> only be a week. When we're only taking five days. Where are you guys going? Jamaica. Jamaica. Yaman. Yeah, are they yeah, sending man. flights still to Jamaica? I hope so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, we were uh, we were originally going to go uh, to Rome um, on oh, a right. dime, on a dime, and it's been I mean it's been my our biggest dream to to go see um, like Saint Paul outside the walls and uh, Saint yeah. Peter's Basilica, um, and you know go to uh, the, the the places where Augustine preached and Paul preached mm-hmm. and all these iconic places. Um, that just I mean it just it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we made a change of plans, and uh, we've got to get got to get tested. I think three times before you go. Uh, I think um, once before we go, once when we get off, and then once to get back on. When you get oh, off in geez. Jamaica, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. what if you have it when you're down there? You're Dude, like stranded I guess, in I Jamaica. Guess we're, we're chilling. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're finding friends with sea turtles, right? and trying That's to survive. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. yeah. Well. Um, how about this? How about we try and before the Romans series at Bethel is over, oh, we'll why don't we there. try and we'll try and film one of our teaching services from Rome? Oh, no. How about that? <laughs> and we'll bring we'll bring you and Christina as the film crew, and then we'll leave you there. Yeah. How about that? Hey. Good deal. Yeah, that is. Well, uh, you guys, I'm looking forward to uh, continuing this conversation, getting Scott back in the studio. Thank you for uh, the time today. And thank you listeners for uh, taking a moment out of your busy day, whatever you're doing today, whether it's on your commute, walking the dog, 
or just ignoring your kids. Uh, thanks for listening and tuning in. We uh, love you and we hope that this podcast uh, helps you follow Jesus further. We'll see you next week. Well, welcome to the podcast. Uh, some of our friends from the HB campus, we have on the phone, Nick and Gail Pratt. You guys have been uh, coming to HP now for, it seems like uh, both never, like a short amount of time, but I also like we've been long friends. It's been a few years, guys. Yes, we've been about uh, going on, yeah, a little over three years. A little over three years. And for the past couple of years, you've given leadership um, to a really important ministry that I'd love to talk with you guys about right now. It's called Grief Share. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Grief Share and some of your heart behind why you lead that ministry? Sure. Um, Grief Share is, is um, run by a group that also does, does divorce care and some other ministries. So it's it's kind of modeled after that. Um, it's a 13-week program that incorporates uh, video and workbook plus uh, uh, group discussion. Um, usually our groups are, are small and intimate, so we kind of like it that way. Um, it's Bible-based, and uh, it uh, has been beneficial to a lot of people, including myself. I lost my son to a motorcycle accident about eight years ago, and I was stuck in a, a bad place, uh, basically yeah. quit going to church. And um, so going through the Grief Share program helped me uh, get unstuck. And um, it has been a blessing to me. And also, uh, it also uh, it allowed me the opportunity to be able to lead, be a facilitator for Grief Share too. After a couple of years later, yeah, Nick, I appreciate you even bringing up uh, the story of losing your son. And many people have experienced loss, unexpected loss. Is Grief Share just for those who maybe were caught off guard by the death of a loved one? No, uh, it's it's for anybody, any people that have had uh, uh, long-term illnesses uh, up to, uh, you know, a, a very recent uh, passing of a loved one. And it can be from somebody from a, a grief that was from 10, 20 years ago that was just never settled in your mind and your heart. And uh, up to we've had some that have, are very fresh, uh, you're, I mean, uh, about a month old. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so grateful for y'all's leadership with um, this ministry. It's incredibly well done and very sensitive to the needs of um, each person in, in each situation. The um, last couple of years, we've seen a handful of people come through it, and I love hearing the stories of healing that take place. Why is it that you think, Nick, maybe you can take the perspective right now of someone who is they know they're suffering through grief and they know they're dealing with the loss of someone that close to them that they love, but they're not quite sure they're ready 
to step out and talk about it. Why do you think some people stay in that position? Do you know what I'm asking? As opposed to jumping in. I'm sorry, there's a fire truck going by right now. (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. We hear it. Yeah. But back to your question, um, you know, there's many different reasons. Um, Some they don't, they just don't want to uh, deal with it at all. Some are, uh, have been really hurt. And uh, a lot of times they, even like with the loved one's belongings, what do you do with that? You know, there's, just might not might not be able to even go into their bedroom or something like that so those types of things we discuss and there's but just comes from every aspect um from a long-term uh uh, death to even a suicide and we kind of touch all of that yeah i think there's a stigma around groups like ours that um, you're going to come and you're going to be more depressed if you talk about it. But really the opposite is true. Isn't that right? That you, you come and you talk about the significance of the person and the feelings that you're feeling and you end up finding healing. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. In the beginning it's tough. I, you know, there's, there's no denying it. It's tough because you're re bringing up feelings that maybe you've suppressed for a long time. Sure. So, that part of it is kind of tough. And um, so, uh, but we, we definitely uh, address those issues. And it's kind of like peeling back the layers of an onion. You know, we just little by little get into those emotions that sometimes are more difficult than others. And um, so in the end, uh, I can say, categorically without a doubt everybody that's gone through it has helped them does it get completely rid of the grief no of course that's impossible you if you didn't love the person you wouldn't be grieving for them Mm. but uh it it is a a big help absolutely one of my favorite preachers is a man who ministered in the late 1800s he actually did the eulogy for abraham lincoln and he wrote that song a little town of bethlehem his name is phillips brooks and he said that grief is not a state it is a process. It's not, it's not something that you need a map to get out of, but instead you need to learn how to tell your history to heal. And so in some sense, it's a, we do in grief need to not just figure out how do I leave these feelings so that I feel better, but how do I acknowledge the, the love and the loss? How do I acknowledge the good times? How do I acknowledge and talk about the funny things, the sad things? And in telling right. your history, there's healing. Um, I I really resonate with that. And I think Grief Share does a great job. And you and Gail do such an amazing job making everyone feel welcome and comfortable and uh, valued and heard. Um, I'm curious. I know we've got uh, a new season upon us of Grief Share. And um, man, it seems like uh, the more... COVID goes on, the more conversations I'm having with families who are dealing with grief. Um, But we have at our campus a new season. Can you tell us a little bit about the time, the dates, and how people can get connected to be able to participate? Sure, sure. Um, Our our new session is going to be starting August 11th. We meet at uh, 7 o'clock. We'll be 
meeting in the auditorium. So you just can come in through the main doors. Um, of course, we have to follow the CDC protocol. We'll have to wear our masks. But being a small group, we can spread out enough to uh, accommodate all of that. Uh, I think right now we have like five people signed up. So that's mm-hmm. that's wonderful. Um, we're very low-keyed and laid back. Um, if somebody just wants to come and listen, that's perfectly fine. You don't have to share a word um, because it is tough. It's tough in the beginning. Um, but as time goes on, you, you'll see that sharing, just like you said, Dan, is a healing process. And uh, we get to know each other very personally and even the lost one. Um, we learn a lot about them too. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, I can't tell you enough. Uh, I, I've tried to tell you personally and privately how much I appreciate you and Gail leading this incredibly important ministry. I think it's the best kept secret at Bethel Church. Um, but I also want to say it publicly too. We are tremendously better as a church because of your investment and your involvement with this and your leadership. And I appreciate as a pastor, even the fact that someone who has gone through the grieving process um, and come out the other side wants to lead others through it as well. And um, so I'm just tremendously grateful. How can people indicate to you that they're coming? Is there a sign-up process that they could go to or a website? Uh, you can you can uh, go through Bethel, but I would uh, really recommend that you just go to griefshare.org and then uh, look under... Uh, my church and it'll pull you to a page that you just type in your zip code and then uh, all the churches in the area that are doing grief share um it'll pop up and then you just select you know bestful hp and then just put in your basically basic information if uh your email and your phone number that's it and then they'll send me a message and then i will get in touch with you Fantastic. Listeners, we, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll put a link in our show notes to anybody who's wanting immediate access from their phone. They can just click that link and be brought right to that grief share webpage. So Nick, we appreciate you brother. And we're praying for uh, you and our church for this next session of grief share. We know um, the Lord is going to do a healing work and we're grateful for uh, your leadership there. Thanks for taking time to talk to us today. Well, yeah. And thank you for your support. And it's been uh, wonderful and uh, couldn't do it without you. All right, brother. It's good. It's good. We'll see you.